Hey, faithful listener. Thanks for tuning in to the P40 Ministries daily podcast. This podcast is dedicated to helping you grow spiritually so you can grow personally. Let's grow together by building a consistent Bible reading routine. This is Jen, your host, and today we will be discussing the book of Mark. Happy Thursday, friends and faithful listeners. This is Jen here with the P40 Ministries podcast. So thank you so much for tuning in this morning to discuss the Bible with me. And let's just go ahead and jump right in. I don't really have a lot to say today. (laughs) I run out of things to talk about. I really do. But okay, let's go ahead and talk about uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 41 through 50. But before I begin, let me do a quick recap as to what's happening. So Jesus was traveling with his disciples and uh, his disciples were kind of arguing on the way. And I'm guessing Jesus was out in front, maybe talking to somebody and the rest of the disciples were like back kind of like um, arguing with each other about who is going to be the greatest person in Jesus's coming kingdom. So they were arguing about who was going to be Jesus's right hand man, basically. And they were all probably like, oh, I'm the better candidate for that because of this or this or this. And (laughs) so anyway, Jesus knows that they're arguing. They go into this house and he's like, so what are you guys talking about when we were uh, traveling just a minute ago? And they were completely silent. They chose not to answer Jesus out of embarrassment. So Jesus takes a child into his arms because clearly where they were staying, there were children in this house. So Jesus takes a child and like hugs the child and says to his disciples, if you want to be first, you have to become like a little child. And you also have to serve people who are like children. Because back then, children in Jesus's day and age were considered pretty much nothing but servants for the most part. I mean, yes, Children were loved by their parents, but that was the overall belief of children seen and not heard. Uh, Children were little servants. So Jesus was telling his disciples to become like little servants, basically. And that he also said that if they should be, if they want to be first in God's kingdom, they also had to serve other servants. So basically be the lowest of the low, the servant of the servants. And, uh, you know, that's what Jesus, and, and, you know, Jesus was kind of referring to himself at that point as well, because Jesus was, in fact, not only God's son, so he was a child in a sense, but also he was a servant and he served other people. He served the lowliest of all people, or at least the people that other people believed to be lowly. So anyway, uh, let's go ahead and read this now and finish off this chapter of Mark chapter 9 and read verses 41 through 50. I will be reading out the W.E.B. version as I always do. For whoever will give you a cup of water to drink in my name, because you are Christ's, most certainly I tell you, he will in no way lose his reward. Whoever will cause one of these little ones who believe in me to stumble, it would be better for him if he were thrown into the sea with a millstone hung around his neck. If your hand causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life maimed rather than having two hands to go into Gehenna, into the unquenchable fire, where their worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. If your foot causes you to stumble, cut it off. It is better for you to enter into life lame rather than having your two feet to be cast into Gehenna, 
into the fire that will never be quenched, where their worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. If your eye causes you to stumble, cast it out. It is better for you to enter into God's kingdom with one eye rather than having two eyes to be cast into Gehenna of fire, where their worm doesn't die and the fire is not quenched. For everyone will be salted with fire, and every sacrifice will be seasoned with salt. Salt is good, but if the salt has lost its saltiness, with what will you season it? Have salt in yourselves and be at peace with one another. So there's a lot to talk about in this portion of scripture, so let's go ahead and jump right in. I actually switched over to the NLT version of the Bible. I've said this a thousand times. I love the WEB version and what they've done with it, but it is not the most readable version out there. So I did switch over to the NLT because it shines a little bit more light on some of the stuff Jesus was saying. So in verse 41, for example, the NLT translates it as, uh, if anyone gives you even a cup of water because you belong to the Messiah, I tell you the truth, that person will surely be rewarded. So we don't often think of a cup of water as being like this really fancy gift we give to somebody. I mean, we're not really going out of our way when we give somebody a cup of water. When they come into our houses, you know, if you if you have somebody over, typically we give them whatever they want out of our fridge sometimes. <laughs> but we don't really think of it as being like an act of service for somebody, but it really could be. I mean, I know that there are missionaries out there that deliver clean water to people that use this verse to um, almost as their mission statement to bring these people clean water that you know that will be rewarded if you are giving people clean water in Jesus's name or even if a person is a Christian and they need water they're very thirsty like for example the early church got severely persecuted under Roman rule and even by the Jewish leaders at that time so if a Christian was getting persecuted and was very thirsty if someone came out and brought that person a cup of water because that person was a Christian or because they felt compassion on that person, then that would be something that God would reward. So Jesus is saying that even a cup of water, if it's given under the right heart in the name of Jesus almost, is going to be rewarded by the Father. So after this, it talks about um, a little child again. (laughs) And so he uses this baby as an example once again. And so he says here in verse 42, If you cause one of these little ones who trusts in me to fall into sin, it would be better for you to be thrown into the sea with a large millstone hung around your neck. Wow, that is so graphic. But (laughs) here's what Jesus is saying here. He says that, and I've, I've talked about this verse before because this verse was also in the book of Matthew, that if a person causes somebody who is a new Christian, like a new person in the faith, somebody that is similar to like this child that, that Jesus says you should be like, if somebody causes that person to fall into sin or to be tempted or to, be, or to stumble in some way, so that this person loses faith or veers off the path in some way. It says that Jesus says that it would be better for that person who did that to that new Christian to literally die in the sea than cause somebody to fall away from Christ. Because when you cause somebody to fall away from Christ, let's say they lose their faith completely. That means that that person no longer has an active relationship with Christ. 
and they are possibly going down a wrong path, a path that is terrible for them, a path that is not good for them, and a path that will cause them to be judged in the end times, which is what we've talked about many times throughout scripture, is that uh, Jesus will come back and judge the earth. So unfortunately, this person who had such an active faith at one time now doesn't or now has a twisted view of their faith or something that is going to lead them down the wrong path. So Jesus is basically warning his disciples in the most strong language that he possibly can, since his disciples are going to be the ones who build the early church. That was the point of the 12 disciples, was to build the the church. So Jesus is using this language, super strong language, to say, don't do anything contrary to scriptures and cause people to fall away from the scriptures, basically. So after this, it talks about um, verse 43 through 48. It talks about Jesus saying to his disciples that it would be better if they came into heaven footless, handless, and eyeballless, <laughs> rather than uh, going into hell with their entire body, basically. Now, there have been people who have taken this literally and cut off their hands or their eyeballs and stuff like that. To me, th- no, th- that's not what Jesus is saying. He is not saying to mutilate yourself. And there is nowhere in scripture where it talks about mutilating yourself ever. Because here's the thing, even if Jesus was speaking literally, let's just say for a second that he was, though he was not, I'm not saying that he is. If Jesus was speaking literally here and was saying you have to cut off your arm in order to go into heaven if your arm is causing you to sin in some way. What's to say that your other arm isn't going to do that same exact thing? (laughs) So it's not enough. Even if Jesus was speaking literally, which he's not, and saying you have to cut your arm off, your one arm, in order to go into heaven because that arm is causing you to sin, if you're not changing your heart, your other arm is going to cause you to sin just as much. What Jesus is talking about here is the cutting off of that sin. Just cut that sin off. It doesn't matter how you're doing that sin, what you're doing it with. If you're doing it with your feet, if you're doing it with your arms, your hands, your eyes, whatever, If it doesn't matter. Get rid of that sin because that sin is going to cause you to stumble. Paul constantly talks about removing the sin from among you, especially in the church. He specifically always talks about the church pretty much. He talks about the church getting rid of, uh, you know, idol worship, getting rid of uh, sexual sins, getting rid of this, getting rid of that. Following Jesus requires sacrifice. It always requires sacrifice. And that's why people don't like hearing about this stuff. They don't want to hear about the sacrifice aspect of Christianity. They want to hear about the prosperity gospel Christianity which is very, very, very popular in modern day. And to be fair, I don't disagree with the prosperity gospel completely. It does say that God will bless people who are following him, but it does not say that he will always bless them only in this lifetime. The prosperity gospel is saying that if you follow Jesus, then he'll give you all this stuff, like this earthly stuff. And that is not the truth. The real truth is that, yeah, if you want to be a Christian, you have to make some sacrifices in your life. You have to stop doing this or that or holding on to these things like uh, addiction you might have or um, I don't know, anything. 
It, it could be anything that is causing you to sin or to fall away from the truth of the scriptures that Jesus is saying, you have to sacrifice that thing in order to truly follow me. And that's what he's telling his disciples here to just remove that sin. And you know, the closer Jesus is getting to the cross, the harder his language is becoming a little bit. His language towards the Pharisees gets tougher and his language towards his disciples gets more intense as he's telling them the right way to live and the wrong way to live. So Jesus was going towards the cross and this is his like final moments kind of because we see in just, I think the next chapter or the chapter after that, Jesus goes into Jerusalem on the back of the donkey. So this is progressing very, very quickly towards Jesus's death. And this is getting to be towards the end of his life here. His, his language is becoming harsher. So he's saying to his disciples here, you need, if you're going to be the people to build the church up, you have to sacrifice some of the stuff you might not want to sacrifice out of your life in order to really build the church. And he's not just talking about the disciples here. He's talking to everybody. He's saying to every single person that is reading this right now that if you want to be a follower of Jesus and actually live the way that Jesus lived, I mean, Jesus sacrificed so much. He sacrificed his entire life for humanity. And Jesus is saying that we also should make sacrifices that we might not want to make. And uh, it, it is hard to make those sacrifices. I've had to make sacrifices in my life that <laughs> I didn't want to make. And I'm still continuing to do that. There are still things I'm holding on to. I have a strong issue with forgiveness. I don't like to forgive people if they've hurt me. I hold grudges so badly. And I'm learning that more and more and more about you know certain things and even with this podcast it's hard for me to speak some of these truths on this podcast it's really hard for me that's a sacrifice that I am actively making and doing my best to do is to follow the bible as truthfully as I possibly can, that is very, very hard for me because I am naturally a very passive person and sometimes I even lean towards tolerance of sin. So it is an active battle for me every single day that I do this podcast to teach people the truth and to not compromise the truth because I'm afraid that it's going to offend somebody. But I know that Jesus offended people with his truth. So it's something that I have been praying about very strongly recently is to have Jesus, you know, give me this boldness to get on this podcast and actually teach people the way Jesus would have taught people and that he was not afraid. He was not at all embarrassed of his gospel he was spreading. He was not uh, in any way ashamed of what he was doing. And so that is the kind of boldness I wish I had and am trying to grow towards is uh, not being afraid of people, not being afraid of offending people. So I believe that a sacrifice that I have to make on a day-to-day -day basis is honestly just not compromising the truth as much as sometimes I would like to do that. And sometimes I, I just, you know, when, we're, when I'm going through Exodus, sometimes I have no clue what to say about some of that stuff because it's hard. You know, I'm kind of giving you guys like my life struggles right now. So sorry about that. But basically the premise of what Jesus is saying here is that 
in order to follow Jesus the right way, something has to be sacrificed. Some sort of sin, because we all have sin. We all have something we struggle with. We all have something. And that something that we struggle with, whatever it might be, it has to be removed from us in a sense. The way that Jesus is like illustrating here that uh, if a, a, like an arm is causing you to sin, you have to remove that thing from yourself. Almost like that sin offering we were talking about back in Exodus, where that sin offering was actually removed from the camp of Israel. It was removed. And this is the same exact concept here, that something that we struggle with, whatever it might be, has to be removed from us in order to be true followers of Jesus. So um, he talks here a little bit about this word Gehenna. And it's funny because I'm was re- i I'm, I'm reading Jeremiah right now in my personal reading. And uh, God actually talks about this exact place. It was actually called the Valley of Hinnom in uh, Jeremiah. And this Greek word Gehenna actually means Valley, valley of Hinnom. So it's one and the same. <laughs> God is always talking to Jeremiah about this filth pit, this garbage dump called the Valley of Hinnom. And that's what it was. It was, gar- it was actually a garbage dump. In um, ancient Jewish culture, when the book of Jeremiah was written, they were actually doing human sacrifices at that point. They completely, 100%, strayed from God and strayed from the law that God had given to them back in Exodus, Leviticus, Numbers, Deuteronomy. And they strayed from that completely and were actually sacrificing their babies, their little babies, to the god Moloch, okay? And what this god Moloch was, was this statue that had these arms that like cupped out, like the hands were like cupped, and the baby would be placed on these hands. But beforehand, the hands would be, it would be like an oven. It would be like, they would be heated up to where skin would start to melt. That's how hot these like bronze hands would be heated to, and the baby would be placed on those hands And then the baby would be screaming at the top of its lungs. And in order to drown out that baby's screams, loud instruments would be playing so as not to hear that baby being completely tortured, okay? That's what was happening in this Valley of Hinnom. So it became a dump where people were actually dumped and sacrifices, whatever they were, animal sacrifices, human sacrifice, feces, all this crap, literally, was just dumped at this garbage dump. And everything at that point would be burned. So it was like this burning, smoldering, smelly garbage dump is what this place was with human bodies and animal bodies and all sorts of terrible things there. So this place later became known as like a cursed valley in a sense. And it became known as Gehenna, almost like hell. And so Jesus is referring to this place as hell. And, uh, you know, that's that's kind of what the symbolism became. The Valley of Hinnom turned into like a euphemism for hell. So Jesus is saying, like, if you don't want to go to Gehenna or the unquenchable fires of hell, which is what uh, I think the W.E.B. translates it as, then following Jesus is necessary, including doing some of those things that are uncomfortable, like removing whatever in your life that you might be holding on to that is causing you to stumble or to not 
have faith or who knows what. But anyway, after this, it talks about verses 49 and 50, which is really interesting. And I'm not quite sure what these mean, actually, but I'm going to try to take a guess here. So 49 says, everyone will be tested with fire. And 50 says, salt is good for seasoning, but if a salt loses its flavor, how do you make it salty again? You must have the qualities of salt among yourselves and live in peace with each other. So some people think that the fire referred to here is referring to the fire of the Holy Spirit because the Holy Spirit often takes the form of like fire. Um, When in Acts, when the Holy Spirit descended on the church, it looked like little flames of fire above their heads. And so that's what people think that this might be referring to, is that his followers are going to be tested with fire. Other people think that it's more than that. Some people think that um, after we die, we're actually going to have to go through like this, this testing, this like fire testing or something and in order to become followers of Jesus. I don't know how much I believe that. So here, I don't know what Jesus is saying. If I'm being 100% honest, I really, really don't know. I don't understand, but I do know a little bit about salt. (laughs) And uh, this word salt keeps coming up for me throughout scripture. One verse I was like contemplating on recently was the verse that says that, um, let your speech always be with grace seasoned with salt. So salt comes up there. And, uh, you know, there's many aspects of salt. Salt heals, salt burns, salt is tasty. We all like salt. (laughs) I mean, almost everybody I know likes something salty. I I like to eat um, those little uh, dark chocolate things with salt on top. Oh, that's so good. I love chocolate and salt together. Very, very tasty to me. Yeah, I mean, we enjoy the taste of salt for the most part. I don't know very many people that don't enjoy something salty. And the last thing that salt does is it actually melts. I live in a very snowy region. And uh, the trucks that go through and plow will dump salt on the roads. And this salt will get all over your cars. And like there's like this nice fine layer of salt all winter long. But the reason the salt is used is because it melts the snow. So being somebody who would be considered salt would be a person that heals people. Their truth might sting a little bit. Their truth like melts a... (laughs) (laughs) Maybe I'm getting a little bit too figurative here, but their truth like melts a hard heart or like softens it. And I don't remember the other one that I stated. Oh, it has flavor. Salt is good. You know, um, I just recently had Stephanie Roussel on my podcast and her her podcast is called Gospel Spice. And she talks about the different flavors of scripture. You know, scripture has flavor. It's good, you know, and so we we talk about that. So that's kind of, I think, what Jesus is saying here when he talks about being somebody who is salt, is somebody that's going out into the world and spreading flavor of the gospel, spreading you know, the truth. It might hurt. It might sting some people. But to those who choose to believe in it, it's going to be good for them. It's going to be tasty. It's going to be healing. It's going to melt their hard hearts. (laughs) But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, this was uh, Mark chapter 9, verses 41 through 50. So stay salty. I see that shirt a lot. I think that's really funny. I like that. Stay salty. But anyway, friends and faithful listeners, if you liked this episode today, please rate it five stars from wherever you're at, whether you're listening on Podchaser or Breaker or um, 
even uh, Apple Podcasts. Those are all platforms that you can rate the podcast on. And I believe also Audible allows you to rate the podcast. So share it on all your social media platforms. Let people know that it exists. And, you know, like I always say, if this podcast has touched you in some way, then share it. Let people know that it's out there. And uh, that is an awesome way that you can spread the gospel of Jesus. But friends and faithful listeners, thank you so much for tuning in this morning. Have a wonderful rest of your day. Happy listening and God bless.